apologize to the media. Uh, I don't know if I got a text today. I didn't notice it. Brother Wade is always sending me texts, and he asked me, what do you have for me tonight? <laughs> and uh, I didn't think about it, and I guess he's, he didn't think about it either, and I depend on him. So I apologize to that. Acts 17, and then I'll read in 2 Peter 1 and 4. <clears throat> Acts 17 and 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance. Everybody say that word with me. Assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. And then in Second Peter 1 and 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, everybody say, I want them in me. If they be in you and abound, one thing for it to be in you, but it's another thing for it to abound. God gives us these things because he wants it to abound. He wants it to get out and go to other people. He wants you to splash over. He wants you to influence other people. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to making your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Everybody say, I don't want to ever fall. Never want to fall. I don't want to. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall. I don't want to lose. I don't want to quit. I don't want to backslide. I don't want to get what I talked about last week—a bad attitude. I don't want to get carnal. I don't want to get sinful. I don't want to be grumpy and grouchy. <laughs> I don't want to be a grumpy old man. I've seen some, and I don't want to be one of those. I want to be sweet just like I am. I want to be the sweetest pastor in the world. I do. 
You say, can you do that? Well, to you I can. I'd be the sweetest pastor in the world to you. Well, I can. Some of you may be thinking, well, when are you going to start? I want to talk to you a little bit about our assurance in our salvation. Assurance in salvation. I want to know that I'm saved. I want that assurance. I don't want to come to church and hope I'm good enough to please God. Hope that I get lucky and get in the kingdom of God. Hope that the Lord will sometime, somehow smile on me and say, you know, you did make it. You barely made it. You weren't on the dean's list. And you weren't on the president's list. You barely got on my list, but you got on it. I don't want to be there. I want the assurance that I'm going in a rapture. I thought I'd get more excitement than that. Thank you, baby, for being excited about it. I want, I want to go in the rapture. When you talk about the rapture, one teacher was telling her church about going to heaven, going in the rapture. And she said, now, how many of y'all want to go? Everybody raised their hand but one little boy. She looked at him, and she was a little confused. She said, son, don't you want to go? And he said, yes, ma'am, but I thought you was getting a load up to go right now. And he said, I had some things that I wanted to do. I can't think of a thing that I, not one thing. I do not have to go home and get a bunch of stuff. I, I don't have any appointment on my calendar that supersedes going in the rapture. Not one. And if you don't feel that way tonight, you're, you're missing a blessing serving the Lord. Because you need to be instant in season, out of season, not just in preaching and teaching, but in rapture, uh, being ready for the rapture. You need to be instant in season. That means right now, if the Lord were to come, are you ready? Are you ready right now? You say, well, that's why I come to church tonight, get ready. I, well, that's, you know, that's better than nothing. But, you know, you ought to get ready before you get to church. Well, I guess I need to get on this lesson because I'm running out of time already. All right, God bless you. You can be seated. Through the years, Vince Lombardi was referred to many times and even misquoted frequently. He was a legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, and he was supposed to have said, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. I read that somewhere, and I thought that he said it, but in reality... Coach Lombardi did not say that. Brittany, it's good to have you home, girl. God bless Sister Brittany. Give her a hand. Amen. Good to have her back. 
In reality, Coach Lombardi said, winning is not everything, but making the effort to win is. Now, I like that better. That's more realistically uh, how I believe it. it. It just, I can relate to that. Christians, more than any other group of people, should follow this advice and make every effort to be winners. Try your best to be a winner. As Christians, we can experience and we do experience disappointments or we have setbacks that make us think about giving up, quitting. Don't tell me that hasn't crossed your mind uh, one time or another in your life. All of us have had that temptation. We've had the enemy to try to discourage us. And we've had problems to arise. Things to come against us that make us consider quitting. Now, I didn't mean that you were going to, but you did think it. We began our walk with Christ full of excitement. You remember when you first got in the church? Y'all don't remember that? Remember when you got the Holy Ghost and how awesome you felt? Did anybody here call anybody on the phone? You did, Amy? And told them you got the Holy Ghost? Gail, you did? Who else? You did, Sister Cindy and Brother uh, Nick? Four of you, Sister Gail, Sister Amy? Four, oh, you did too? All right, five, six. People called somebody and told them you had the Holy Ghost. A lot of them didn't know what it was. The Holy what? And they were trying to figure out what you were talking about. And a lot of people have these kind of times in their lives where they have God do something for them and they get excited about it. But when we begin, we begin our walk with excitement, but after a while, living for God or Christianity becomes too daily. It's the same thing over and over again, you know. Whether you want to accept it or not or believe it or not, living for God is the same thing every day. Read your Bible and pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. We sing that in Sunday school. Did you ever sing that? And you grow, grow, grow. Grow, grow, grow. I may not have it perfectly right. It's been a long time since I've been in Sunday school. But if you read your Bible and pray every day, you'll grow, grow, grow. And it's the same thing. It's that daily same thing over and over and over again. The same prayers the same type of worship, the same Bible stories that you hear preached about. And we want to follow Jesus and live for Him, and we want the benefits, but sometimes we begin to drift away. We get distracted. 
the excitement cools and our dedication weakens and we begin to neglect prayer, our study, and our church attendance. Before you know it, our faith is weak, perhaps even dead. So how do we have assurance in our salvation? What is it that shows us how to have full assurance that when we die, we're going to heaven? Because the Bible is very clear. It makes no exceptions. It says it's appointed unto man nine times to die, and after this, the judgment. Is that what it says? It is appointed unto man once to die. And do you know that includes every man, woman, boy, and girl living on this earth today. We're all going to to die and that's sobering that's very sobering it gets your attention when you get older as a young man I never thought about it it just seemed so far away but I just celebrated my 51st birthday you gave me gift Sunday and that was so sweet and you do understand that people when they get old they have memory problems As Peter says, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. One of the things that we find assurance from is being eager, being excited about knowing that I'm right with God. And I, I think that's something that probably we Pentecostals could improve on. is showing our enthusiasm about the rapture. Now, I, our church is good at any kind of preaching. I mean, y'all back me up. I preach some duds and I preach some masterpieces here. And I say the duds outweigh the masterpieces. But. You always back me up. But I've noticed the trend, not just here, but anywhere. When you start preaching about the rapture, the coming of the Lord, people get silent. They get that fearful look on their face like, I don't know if I'm ready or not. I don't want him to preach too much excitement about the rapture because I, you know, I'm just kind of concerned about it. So what is Peter basing this statement, making your calling and election sure? For if you possess these qualities, he says, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what I think he's saying, busy people doing godly things are not going to have to worry as much about lazy people doing no godly things. Now, if you're lazy and you're not doing anything godly in your life, you probably need to worry about the rapture. 
But if you're busy doing godly things with a godly relationship, you probably ought to be more excited about the coming of the Lord than anybody else will. One of the biggest confidence boosters for a believer is when they know for sure they're saved. The devil works very hard and is often successful at keeping believers in doubt concerning their salvation. The devil does not have to get you on drugs and alcohol. He does not have to get you smoking dope and running the bars and sleeping around wherever you want to. He does not have to get you in that condition. All he's got to do is convince you that you're not saved or you don't have to be saved. Convince you, don't worry about it, just be happy. And if you start believing that lie, that's exactly where he wants us to be. He wants us to be asleep. He doesn't want us to hear preaching about the coming of the Lord. He would rather me not say a word about the rapture or about eternity or about us all dying and all having to be prepared. He just don't like Pastor Gandy teaching that way. So he's giving me a hard time tonight. He's working against me. After John Wesley had been preaching for some time, someone said to him, Mr. Wesley, are you sure of your salvation? And John Wesley said, well, Jesus Christ died for the whole world. And that person said, yes, we all believe that, but are you sure that you are saved? Wesley replied that he was sure that provisions had been made for salvation. And he said, sir, I ask you, are you sure that you're saved? And it went like an arrow to his heart. And he had no rest or power until he began to ponder that question, began to investigate it. And I don't know how far John Wesley went. I know he was a great evangelist during his time. And a lot of people were stirred. A lot of things happened in his ministry. But when somebody began to question him, are you sure that you're ready to meet God? It got him thinking about it. I think it ought to make all of us think about it. Can you say ma'am? In 1990s, Northwest Airlines offered some unusual round trip tickets abroad for uh, some of their planes. They advertised this, $59 bought a round-trip ticket on a mystery fare. It was a one-day trip. It was to an unknown city, and you had to buy the ticket before you found out where you were going. Buyers didn't find out where they were heading until they arrived at the airport the day of the flight. Still, the airline had plenty of takers. In Indianapolis alone, 
1,500 people crowded the airline counters to buy mystery fare tickets that were sold on a first-come, first-served basis. And when the buyers learned their destination, some of them were very excited and some of them weren't too excited. Mystery fare tickets may be fun, and it may be a surprise for a weekend vacation or a one-day trip to go, and you may win the right city and have a great time. But normally, the last thing you want is a ticket to a mystery destination. And, and one time, you never want a mystery ticket is on the day of your death. I would never want to buy one of those tickets that on the day of my death, I'm going to find out where I'm going. And I don't think you have to wait until you die to know. I don't think you have to wait until you get old to know. I don't think it's a mystery. I don't think it's one of those things that only a few know. I believe that everybody sitting in this building tonight can know if you're ready to meet God or not. I do believe that with all of my heart. Many men and women go, to the, go on month after month and year after year without any power because they do not know their standing with the Lord. They are not sure of their own footing for eternity. God's word doesn't leave us guessing about our spiritual standing with him. Assurance of salvation is trusting God's affirmation that we truly are his children. We are safe and secure for all eternity and we are protected and will persevere by his power and by the promises of her, his will. If you want it, you can have it to whosoever will. And it's not a mystery. You need to know if you're ready to meet God. Assurance comes from understanding the plan of salvation. Assurance of salvation affects how we pray. When we're sure of our condition, we don't hesitate to talk to God. When we're not sure, we're a little reluctant to talk to God. Same thing with your girlfriend. If you're not sure she likes you or not, you're very reluctant to talk to her. You don't know what she's going to say. You don't know what she's thinking. Well, boy, if you know how she feels, it's a privilege and a pleasure to talk to each other when you know how each other feels. Am I right, Kelsey and Derek? Y'all been doing any talking? Hey, okay. Our status as God's children grants us boldness in prayer. 
There is much in this world that is uncertain and unpredictable. Are you certain that you're going to heaven? Turn and look at somebody and say, I want to ask you a question. Are you certain you're going to heaven? When it comes to religion, it is increasingly difficult to convince to convince folks of absolutes. I've taught a lot about it. I've preached about absolute truth and this and that. This is because people today don't necessarily embrace absolute truth. When it comes to religion and when it comes to eternal issues, here is what you're often going to hear today. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Isn't that a stupid statement? I mean, every murderer was sincere. Every thief is sincere. Every adulterer is sincere. Every liar is sincere. All of them are sincere. So it don't matter what you believe, just be good at what you do. I guess what they're saying. So they're saying, if you want to go to heaven, be a good thief. Be a good murderer. Be a good liar. Be a good adulterer. You know? What is true for me may not be true for you. The only important thing is that you believe in God. So it... It, life doesn't matter how you live is not important as long as you're sincere and believe in God everything's going to be alright now how dumb is that Barna Research Group recently offered some survey statistics that affirmed this mindset their website states that 43% of Americans said it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lesson. Somebody has not visited very many churches. Somebody has not studied this out. We do not all preach the same lessons. We don't preach near about the same lessons we don't preach them the same way we don't preach them with the same passions now in fact i can't think of anything we do much as other churches do pentecostal is probably some of the most different than anything i know in addition it concludes that 50 percent of americans believe that all people are eventually saved or accepted by God no matter what they do. So that just proved to me they do not read their Bible and do not believe what it says if they did read it because that's not what the Bible says. Jesus made it very plain. And here's my old broken record. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born of water and of spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So I can't agree with these statistics, and I'm sure most of you don't. While these reflect disturbing trends, they are similarities in many world religions. 
because most religions teach that there is a divine creator. Most religions hold that human life is sacred. Most religions affirm basic morality, such as faithfulness in marriage and responsibilities to our families. The biblical principles uh, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you uh, just resonates across religious lines. Also, most religions teach that there is an afterlife. We must know and have assurance in the Word of God and obey it and not just the parts that we like and want to obey. Assurance means persuasion, credence, moral conviction, religious truth or the truthfulness of God or religious teacher, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation, consistency, no, constant in such professions, entire confidence. The word assurance is only used or found uh, five times in the New Testament. In Acts 17.31, where Paul was telling the people on Mars Hill that God has given us assurance of His resurrection. And then in Colossians 2.2, Paul was writing to the church that they would get full assurance of the mystery of God. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, Paul was writing uh, the church to remind them that they had much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were among, who were among you for your sake. And then in Hebrews 6 and 11, Paul said, We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. And then Hebrews 10, 22, Paul says, Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. Sometimes when you're in an airport, why don't you just start watching people and notice the difference between passengers who hold confirmed tickets and those who are flying standby. The ones with confirmed tickets read newspapers and books, look at things on their iPad and their iPhones, reading newspapers and chat with their friends. They might even go to sleep. The ones on standby hang around the ticket counter, pace back and forth and act nervous and impatient. The difference is caused by the confidence factor. The people with confirmed tickets know they have a ticket or a seat reserved for them on that flight. How about us Christians? Are we just hanging around the ticket counter, the church, pacing back and forth, acting nervous and impatient? Because we're not real sure. We don't have that assurance that I have a confirmed ticket to heaven.
something to think about, isn't it? In our everyday lives, we find that in order to maintain peace of mind, we must have various types of insurance. How many of you love insurance? We have it, don't we? We, we have everything. We have insurance for life and insurance for death. We want to insure both of them, life and death. We have insurance for our health. We have insurance for various types of sickness. We have insurance for our automobiles in case we're in an accident or in case it's stolen or vandalized. We have insurance in case uh, we cause an accident or if others cause it. And they may not have insurance, so we get non-insureds um, that don't have, what do they call it, non huh? There you go, non-insured motorist. Our monies are insured. Our loans are insured. Every aspect of our life can be insured for a fee. This insurance can take weeks and months to take effect and can be canceled in a matter of seconds. The insurance has stipulations and circumstances that can cause it to be revoked, nullified, or non-existent. Insurance is man-made, but assurance in God is obtained. Insurance is revocable, whereas assurance is undeniable. Insurance is costly, but assurance is free. Insurance has limitations, where assurance is limitless. All we need to do is insure our assurance in God. You can have a vital, meaningful, effective Christian life. You can't have one unless you have the assurance that you are saved. If you don't have that assurance, you're going to be a miserable person. There are four basic categories that people find themselves in. Those who think they are saved but are not. Those who think... Those we think are saved, but they're not. Those who are saved, but don't act like it. And those that are saved and do act like it. And that's where we need to fit. We need to be saved and act like it, talk like it, think like it, smell like it. Sometimes telling you that you're saved is not assurance. You may be you may not be saved. But just because somebody tells you you're saved, that doesn't give you any assurance. Feeling like you're saved is not assurance because your feelings rise and fall with your emotions and your circumstances and your mood. And the list goes way on and on. Acting like you're saved is not assurance. You can fake it. You get the assurance of your salvation from the Word of God. And that's why we read in 1 John 5, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Amen. 
I got a lot to preach, but I'm out of time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get on back to my ending story. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and had been given three months to live. So as she was getting her things in order, she contacted a pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. She told him which songs she wanted sung at her funeral, what scriptures she would like read, what outfits she wanted to be buried in, and the woman also requested to be buried with her favorite Bible in the casket with her. Everything was in order, and the pastor was preparing to leave when the woman suddenly remembered something very important to her. There's one more thing, she said excitedly. What's that, came the pastor's reply. This is very important, the woman continued. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing quite what to say. That surprises you, doesn't it? The woman asked. Well, to be honest, I'm puzzled by that request, said the pastor. The woman explained, in all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would lean over and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew something better was coming, like velvet chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie, something wonderful that I was looking for. So I just want people to see me laying there in that casket with a fork in my hand. I want them to wonder, what is that fork and what does it represent? And then I want you to tell them, she wanted to keep her fork because she said, the best is yet to come.